Put your hands in the air If you go hard Now put your drinks go. in the air go. Go. If you go hard If you had a trail ride Welcome oh, just in the back into the great Scott show. Go hard or go home. Josh Hart goes hard. The Pelicans went soft in the fourth quarter on Friday night. Historically horrendous. There's no other way to put it. They led by 14 and then lost by 18. I mean, Chris Paul was on the other side, and he looked like he made the Pelicans look like the New Orleans Hornets in game four of the 2009 playoffs when they got slaughtered by the Denver Nuggets. Yes, I remember that game. I follow this franchise since they've been in New Orleans in 02. It was just bad. It was really, really bad. Kind of kind of giving folks some, some PTSD. But the truth of it is, they bounced back. Took them a little while, but they bounced back Sunday, and they were on the right side of history with the greatest comeback in franchise history. And here to chat some Pels with us as we uh, talk some hoops this morning, as uh, as promised, is Elliot Clough of the Pelicans Plus podcast. Elliot, the yin and the yang of this team seems to be the only thing consistent. Uh, they're consistently inconsistent, but, man, it, it – it feels like they're on the wrong side more often than the right side. It was just nice that they actually closed the deal yesterday and got that thing done against the Celtics. That it was, Scott. You you hit it. This this team has been a roller coaster all season. I mean, currently they're they're thirteen and seventeen overall, eight and seven at home, so better at home than they are away. But it it's just been a complete and total roller coaster and this weekend was the exhibit of it. Like you said, outscored forty one to twelve in the fourth quarter against the Suns. Well, they were handling handling them pretty well for the majority of the game, and then turn it around, which was, I believe, a historic, some sort of record-setting loss after being up that amount of time or, or allowing 41 points in the fourth quarter, and then having uh, a turnaround in the following game against the Boston Celtics, who don't have a great record, but they're better than their record, and and having a franchise, excuse me, franchise-setting comeback um, victory. 24 points and doing it against such a quality team in the Boston Celtics, such a talented team in the Boston Celtics with the likes of Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I mean, (laughs) I hope everybody's been taking blood pressure medicine because the, the Pels are are definitely going to, going to bump that up for you. It it was, it was just crazy. I mean, there is not a single person, to be honest, I don't, I don't know that there was a single person on the quarter on the bench yesterday that when the Pels were down 24 was thinking, we're going to come back and win this. Now, once they got some momentum going, I think you saw at some point the belief, you know, I I don't want to sound cliche and say in their eyes, but you could just tell that at some point early on when they started chipping away at the big Boston lead, uh, that, that they started to feel like we could actually do this. Do you feel like there was one crucial key moment not late in the game when it's tied or in overtime but when they're trailing by as many as 24 and they were able to just wake up and you know I I just just take a shot of espresso or something was there a key moment that you really felt like okay 
that was it. That was the moment where suddenly they were all on board and felt like they could do this. Right. That's a great question. I, I think the, the Pels started to chip away earlier than this, but ultimately what I believe to be the defining moment yesterday was the J.J. Redick second technical foul where he was kicked from the game. First of all, horrible call. The, the first tech was soft. I mean, refs get, they get cursed at all the time in the NBA. We're, if we're being honest, that happens all the time. Secondly, he got a call that was advantageous towards him, bounced the ball to the ref, and then got, uh, got a second tech that got booted. I don't know if that was the rallying point for them or not, but that is really where the switch flipped. The lead was just down to 12 at that point, and, and you could see it a little bit. The momentum was starting to shift into the hands of the Pelicans, but it wasn't anywhere near what I personally thought it should have been, that energy should have been, because, I mean, like you said, they were down 24. The lead was cut to 12. But then, ultimately, it was like, we got to do this for J.J. I mean, Nicolo Melli came in, which I think everybody was a little bit shocked at that, including myself, and, and he ultimately hit that, that uh, lead-taking three. But I, I think, ultimately, it was, it was when J.J. Redick was, was booted from the game. I mean, he is this, this team's veteran. He's been around for a long time. And, you know, he's not having the greatest season so far, but it was almost like a do it for JJ, free JJ sort of situation once, once he was booted. It was like the, the, the bench came alive. Everybody was standing up clapping. Everybody was standing up excited when, when their teammates would score. Um, and, and that appeared to be the, the turnaround moment for me, at least. ESPN1420.com, Elliot Clough, our guest. It was, uh, it was something. And, of course, late in the game, you mentioned Melly hits the big three. Zion has the big and one. And then Boston, they just refs. Let's stop and look at the replay. Let's stop and look at the replay. Let's reverse the call. Oh, they hit the shot. Oh, now it's tied. Now you're going to OT. And it's like, boy, it would just feel, this would feel like a game the Pelicans would lose because they find creative ways to do it. But they didn't. They got to overtime and, uh, and they got it done. Josh Hart was crucial. I thought Lonzo Ball was crucial. They defensively really, I think, slowed down a lot of Boston's energy when they injected some energy. Now, you see that from Hart. Good to see from Ball, which you see sometimes. Um, but I, I just I thought both of them were, you know, Hart a fan favorite of Pelicans fans. Ball a polarizing player. For, he's got his own stands, and, and he's, you know, you, you see the best of him at times, and you see his – deficiencies at times but those two guys I thought were absolutely just key cogs in that big comeback yesterday oh absolutely 100 percent. if I had to pick one particular player to to really give a bunch of credit to it would be Josh Hart I mean that's that's easy to do like you said fan favorite 17 and 10 last night and I think his 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 impact on the game was more off the box score than it was on the box score. He had a, a pretty amazing drive uh, to the basket late in the game that I think ultimately, I don't know if it gave him the lead, but I just saw the highlights. I can't remember quite where it was at the, in the point in the game, but his defense on Jason Tatum was otherworldly in the second half. I mean, we know Josh Hart to be a defender, but he's locking up one of the best players in the NBA. Sure. He finished with 32. Jason Tatum did nine of those coming from the free throw line, but I mean, Jason Tatum playing 41 minutes, scoring 32 points, and you come out with the victory. I mean, I, game ball goes to Josh Hart for me. 
And, and he was gassed. You could tell everybody was gassed, especially those, those five that played the majority of those final few minutes in the overtime and in the fourth quarter. But Josh Hart was phenomenal. It started with him, and that gave Lonzo Ball the opportunity to play off-ball defense. And that's where Lonzo's going to excel, right? I mean, we know he's a good on-ball defender. He's not a great on-ball defender, but he's, he's better off-ball because of his length. He is the 6'6 point guard. And so that allowed him to do what he does best. And honestly, Nicolo Melli was not awful defensively either. That that helped a lot. That was and, the biggest surprise um, of the game to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just, I know, right? It you was. Know, I, the, well, first of all, him hitting that the lead that was, was, awesome. was shocking. I, I, you know, I, I'm not one to freak out during games. I, I tend to stay pretty calm, but <laughs> that shot and the Brandon Ingram shot with 33 seconds left got me up off my couch, I can tell you that. But for, for me, the, the game ball definitely goes to Josh Hart on his performance uh, guarding Jason Tatum and then Lonzo Ball, like you said, awesome off ball. Didn't have his best game as of late uh, offensively. 16 points, though, and, and you can't be upset at that at all. I mean, six rebounds, four assists, and he was three of six from deep. His, his three-point shot really changes this team. Elliot Clough, our guest, ESPN1420.com. There were uh, a lot of close games uh, folks down here were paying attention to in various sports all happening at the same time. But good to see uh, the good to, good to see the, the, the teams that most down here were rooting for get the wins. Um, Zion Williamson, 28 points. Late in that game, in the fourth and overtime, the, and, and, and you, you could correct me if I'm wrong, Elliot, but it seems like most times this season when they try to get the ball to Zion late, sometimes they can't because they're, they're trying to force it in the paint. The other team knows it. Yesterday they were like, just just give it to Zion before we even cross half court and let him bring the ball up here. Let him just handle it, um, you know, on the top of the key and then just see where it goes from here. And, you know, one of them led to that big Ingram three-pointer. Um, the other led to some Zion buckets underneath. It was a different approach offensively in terms of how do we get the ball in our, our playmakers' hands late in this game. And, and it really proved to be the difference because I think if they go more the traditional way and you've got, you know, Lonzo bringing it up or even B.I. bringing it up, which we saw at times, you know, I, I feel like Ingram, who who led what, led the team with 33 yesterday, offensively, he seems like he's at his best when there is no hesitation, right? It's like two dribbles, pop, shoot. He gets the ball. He knows he's going to shoot. Quick move, up, shoot. When he's bringing it up the floor and, okay, am I going to try to create for myself? Am I going to wait for the Zion pick? Am I going to try to go around it? Or am I going to cut it back, try to fool him? It it just seems like the ball, it, it doesn't move quite as quickly they were trying different things yesterday, and it seemed to be working. Now teams might, you know, teams might defend it differently now that they have more film. But do you think? I know I'm just blabbering here. Do you think what we saw late offensively is more of a sign of things to come? A little more creativity is probably too strong of a word, but just trying something different in terms of how they get the ball in their playmakers' hands in in the best possible way. Right? You want to have it in their hands, but you also want to have them in. Let's not get it to Zion, and by the time he gets it, there are four guys on him, right? Let's not have B.I. have it with, you know, too many options. You know what I'm saying? Oh, exactly, and, and you hit it on the head. They put the ball in Zion's hands from the get-go last night rather than trying to run a pick-and-roll, trying to run any sort of situation where he'd get the ball under the basket. They really just let the offense flow, and you, you hit it. I mean, Brandon Ingram 
he is a phenomenal scorer. He's a phenomenal basketball player, but starting possessions with the ball in his hands really tends to lean towards stagnant offense, whether that's because he tries to dribble the air out of the ball, create his own shot, doesn't make the right read in the pick and roll, what have you. He's just a better scorer than he is anything else. That's, that's just a fact. I mean, look at, look at the box score. Like you said, 33 points last night, hit that three that really sealed it for him. But putting the ball in Zion's hands results in so much more ball movement that you've just got to go that way. I mean, he's, he's been called point Zion this season for a reason. He's taking the ball up the court. He's initiating the offense. And that just results in better basketball, higher basketball IQ plays for this team, three-point shots for Zoe, open mid-range shots for Brandon Ingram. And, I mean, it's working. Why go away from it if it's working? We've seen the screen actions with him and J.J. Redick, J.J. getting some open threes as well. But when Zion starts with the ball, there's just so much more spacing. And, you know, Stan Van Gundy talked about it post-game yesterday where he said he wanted Nicolo Melli on the floor for more room for Brandon Ingram and, and Zion to work. And he said that in a very long, elongated way, instead of just saying, I wanted more spacing on the floor. And I think he was avoiding that because that's kind of the, the taboo word for them right now, considering that uh, the Pels made those moves for Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams this offseason. But we saw what it did for them. We saw the spacing that Nicola Melli provided. We saw the spacing that putting the ball in Zion's hands provided. And apparently, Stan Van Gundy's been listening to Pelicans fans because He's like, you know what? You want Zion to get the ball those last few minutes? I'm just going to put it in his hands and let him work. And, and it worked. And okay. this team just seemed so much more composed and, and fluid and comfortable, even though they're young, even though it was less than however many minutes to go when he made those plays. Elliot Clough, our guest. So are we going to see more of that in games, not even necessarily at the end of games, like Melly on the floor, to stretch it out and Zion getting the ball at the top of the key, or is this more like, all right, late game situations. You're not going to, you know, be running this, um, you know, midway through the, or, you know, with four minutes to go in the second quarter. Right. And as far as Melly getting in there, you know, Scott, I have no idea. Uh, this rotations, I mean, these rotations for this team have been pretty interesting this, this season. We've seen Nah play, you know, 30 plus minutes and then get, did not participate in the following game. I think he played five minutes last night. And we'll see Melly, who hasn't played like consistent, actually meaningful minutes since January, get in in these late games. So I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if teams are going to start to respect him shooting the three now because at one point in the season, Melly was shooting 18% from three-point land, and now he's shooting 27%. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what, what that's going to look like. As far as the ball being in Zion's hands, that's just continued to ramp up. As the season has progressed, he's getting more and more comfortable in that role, and Stan Van Gundy's letting him run with it. So, as far as you know, Zion getting the ball, that's going to happen more. That's that's just what's going to happen more. That's a fact. Uh, but Nelly playing uh, more significant minutes—that's that's up in the air still. If the team wants to go more for for defense at that sort of tweener four-ish, five-ish position, I am a Wenyan Gabriel stan. I will put my reputation on the line for Wendy and Gabriel, but uh, Nicolo Melli is not my guy in most situations. We'll see how that goes. I you know there's been calls for trading for Eric Bledsoe. Maybe the Pels can go out and get a spacing four out of that. Uh, but I don't personally think Nicolo Melli is the answer, but it worked last night. ESPN1420.com. Uh, 
Elliot's calling for Gabriel minutes and slamming <laughs> Melly after his best game of the season. We saw Melly last year, obviously, when he was on the floor with Zion, um, you know, have have a stretch there where it was like, okay, this could possibly work. Now this year, I'm not going to overreact to, you know, the last four minutes and 11 seconds yesterday of regulation and then overtime. Um, and and, and I, I don't want to overreact to the game as a whole. Uh, it was just nice to see them win after their previous two games, one where they, you know, lost late to Portland, another where they were historically awful and turned into the Washington Generals in the fourth quarter against Phoenix. They got six more games before All-Star break. What do you want to see before the, the, the midweek like, uh, excuse me, the midseason break. Do you want to, like, what if there's one thing at the top of the list you're like, I want to see more of this? What is it? That is a great question, Scott. You know, I, now that we're talking about it, probably putting the ball in Zion's hands, love that. But definitely, as far as on court play, I, I want to see more minutes from Kyra rather from that, excuse me, rather than from Eric Bledsoe. Maybe even a Kyra start in there. I'd be all for that. Or, you know, putting, putting Lonzo technically at the one, maybe starting Josh Hart and, and having the ball in Brandon Ingram slash Zion's hands to start possessions, maybe less or so Brandon Ingram, maybe giving Lonzo a few more opportunities in the pick and roll or, or running some actions for him shooting the three-point ball. But I definitely want to see less of Eric Blood, so I can tell you that. I tweeted this out, I think, a couple games ago where, I don't know if you remember that, Scott. This was, I think, two or three years ago when he was with the Suns and he tweeted, I don't want to be here, yeah. and it blew up. And I'm getting some serious I don't want to be here vibes from Eric Bledsoe this season. He's just, I mean, he lacks awareness defensively. Sometimes the effort just straight up isn't there. He's just chucking three-point shots. It's never a good fit, not, though. It just never It never felt sure. like the right fit. It never felt like it was a long-term thing. And, you know, I, I think... I just maybe maybe if you dish him for conditional draft picks in the future, second whatever. Okay, maybe you maybe your win share drops a little because you're playing all more rookies more. But I think long term, it's absolutely the move you got to make. Exactly, exactly, and ultimately the team still may very well move JJ Redick. I think if there's any player they're more inclined to move this season, it's probably going to be JJ. Even though that hurts me to say. He's not playing particularly well this season, but I do love JJ, who he is as a person, love his podcast, all that stuff. But I would would call for, for the movement of Eric Bledsoe in terms of just on-court play first. I definitely want to see more Kyra. I, I think all NBA fans, not NBA fans, excuse me, Pelicans fans, have loved the, the minutes that we've gotten from, from Kyra so far this season. And also, assuming, well, if JJ is to stick around, I'd love to see more of those actions with, with Zion and, and JJ throwing picks out there for each other because, I mean, those have been fun. Those results those result in back, baskets because you have to respect Zion's ability to get to the basket and dominate under there, and you also have to respect the ability of JJ Redick to shoot the basketball. So it's just a perfect pairing, and, and despite JJ's size, he sets some awesome screens out there. He, he's a smart basketball player. They do a lot for each other in those situations. So I'd love to see more of that um, in a minutes as well. Elliot Clough has been our guest. Final question, Elliot. Um, how much should we? How much should anyone actually take away from yesterday? Right? There's been. It, my, I guess let me let me let me expand more on it. There have been moments this year where you're like, okay, 
Now, now things are moving in the right direction, I think. Okay, now we're starting to see, and, and I don't want to say take it with a grain of salt, but it's not like it just suddenly flips. You start seeing Zion's improvement defensively 40 games into his career. Well, 11 games later, it's not like the Pelicans have just cured all of these bad habits, but you see moments where you're like, okay, this could work. Like with what happened yesterday, Let's be honest. Like, there is no outcome Wednesday against a, a Pistons team. That'll surprise you, right? Pelicans win by 20. Pelicans <laughs> lose by 20. Pelicans blow a late lead. Like, that's that's where this team is, right? Just just enjoy yesterday for what it was and don't overreact. Is that words to the wise? Am I, am I on the right track here in your mind? More than likely, yeah. I, I think the, the one takeaway is just, what we've known about this team in, in situations where they're down in situations where they look like they're out of it. They can come back when they want to, when they have the energy, their resiliency is there. It's just about effort. It's about intensity. It's, it's about drive. And we've heard so much from that, or excuse me about that from Stan Van Gundy in post game media sessions, where he says we need more defensive pride. We need more defensive intensity, but when they bring it, they win. Most times, when they bring it, when they're moving the ball, they, they play good basketball, and they're able to make comebacks like they did yesterday. So I think you really did hit it on the head. Um, we, we talked about it in that first few questions where I said they're a roller coaster, and that's just what they are. That's just what they are right now, and, and they're learning to win. They're learning how to do it night in and night out. So as of right now, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Chalk it up as a win move on forward, hope they can string a few more wins together and, and hope they can you know, get a revenge game for that loss to the Pistons because that was definitely embarrassing a few weeks ago. Yep, 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 no doubt about it. All right, great stuff from Elliot Clough. Yes or no, is Zion Williamson going to be an all-star reserve? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he has to be. I mean, the efficiency that he's playing with right now, I think I brought it up last time I was on first player to average 24 points and 60% from the field since Kevin McHale. Other two are Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, the way he's playing basketball right now, and he's doing it in so many different ways, he's got to be an all-star. I don't think I don't think Adam Silver is for him to not be an all-star at this point. Elliot Clough of the Pelicans Plus podcast from the Boot Crew Media. Check it out. He said the team's a roller coaster. That's a good way to describe it. Elliot, appreciate the time, man. I know we'll be talking to you again soon, all right? Absolutely. Thanks so much, Scott. You got it, brother. Roller coaster.